India charts the truth about the markets. Hi everyone, this is the 18th of March 2020. If you're seeing anything in the market today that you think has happened before, if you are told that this time is different and you say well, it cannot be, then you're right. This time is not different. Uh, it has happened before but not in your lifetime anybody who's around today in the markets has probably never seen anything like this because a super cycle degree bear market only occurs once in 70 or 80 years the original theory was 50 years but it is essentially a generational cycle and if you live longer the generations lifelong life length is longer and therefore the length of the cycle itself contracts or expands and is also affected by many other contracting cycles like the technological cycle uh, apart from the demographic cycle and uh, itself being the financial cycle when integrated with everything else can expand or contract in time so it's not really a time cycle which is fixed in length as some people like to believe which is very nice for textbooks and uh, writing detailed essays uh, but this is a financial cycle that starts from zero goes to 100 and then uh, reverts and india post independence is facing its first economic winter as part of that super cycle completing what may be an almost uh, you know 70 or maybe even 90 year bull market because the rbi came into inception in 1934 we are in the year 2020 where we've completed a two three year long ending diagonal pattern that in my head most probably completes the super cycle degree bull market that i have been writing about in terms of the economic winter so even the though the economic winter itself in winter terms started several years ago as india's debt problem started to propagate and i kept writing about its possibility uh, many many years ago uh, the problems uh, started to only show up in the indian banking sector mostly the public sector banks and then eventually the nbfcs but still was not hitting the main index the nifty which continued to ride on the rest of the financial services sector and now what we are seeing is an unwind in probably Uh, the market as a whole which is happening simultaneously with what's happening in various global markets now many would also like to believe that this is just a knee jerk reaction uh, in terms of what is happening because of the corona virus but the corona virus itself may only have been the trigger of the fallout that we are seeing now because the economy was already slowing since 2018 uh, most world economies had slowed or come to a halt uh, the us financial markets were still riding on hopes of more stimulus uh, and uh, my only hope from the indian market was essentially that beyond stimulus we would also get our government to move in terms of the fiscal side uh, but that did not happen uh, to the extent that we were hoping for in the budget itself and now uh, being hit by uh, what's happening around the world we've rolled over into uh, what we would really not like to be facing which is our own winter cycle now in an equity standpoint so when you get an equity when the equities have really hit the winter bear market it's uh, the once in a lifetime event something you have never seen before which is why even though i've tried to relate with certain indicators that i've read in at 2008 and looked for bounces the same are not happening for example the rsi reading of almost 17 seen in jan of 2008 was sufficient for a five wave fall bottom to occur we've already seen a reading of 13 and despite some bounce back are selling off again the lowest reading we had 
uh, in the data was at 7 and that happened at the end of the 9-11 attack. So that was the most ferocious sell-off uh, and that too came at a time when volatility had really contracted because Badla had been banned in June of that year and that led to a contraction in volatility. The Sensex would barely move by even 50 points a day and eventually you had 9-11 that caused volatility to expand once again. And that led to the RSI hitting 7 and extremely oversold reading from where then prices uh, had one positive divergence, a lower low and then recovered. So uh, we are still not recovering from a 13 reading, bounced back a bit, are still at the uh, closer to the 20 or a little below the 20 mark. And what looks like and I thought uh, the bounce we saw approximately a week ago would have been uh, the start of that B wave, uh, but it didn't turn out to be the case, which means that low reading really didn't work. And uh, the toughest part here uh, is to continue to trade in an IV environment, which is an employed volatility environment, which is at 60 to 70 to 70%. That's something that we've really never done because every time you've peaked at maybe 35% uh, during bull market corrections or even at 60-70% during a previous bear market at cycle degree, you had markets bounce back at least for a while before they sold off again. But this time around, it is relentless. So the bounce that we saw a week ago didn't result in a wave B bounce. It only ended up being 38%. Some of you on Twitter did come on and uh, mention that to me and I was still of the view that we could probably do more than uh, beyond the 10,100 mark, maybe uh, even 10,300 or 400, maybe a 50% retracement as well, but it didn't happen, which is more in line with what fourth waves do, which is why I've had to make those uh, changes, which means that the sell-off we are in now is a fifth wave. Now, given that the third wave was rather extended, you wouldn't expect a fifth extend, extended, but uh, here goes is that it's extremely rare to see something like that happen. At the same time, it has happened during 2008. The first sell-off in Jan 2008 uh, did see the third extend a bit and then the fifth extend even more, though it don't show up clearly on the daily charts because it was almost two circuits down at the end of that move, but it did very clearly show up on hourly charts. So as being rare, it is not a guideline. It is in fact a guideline in uh, Elliott Wave analysis that you know, third waves uh, are never the shortest. It doesn't say uh, th they are the longest. Uh, that is just a tendency that they extend at times. They don't always do so. But if the third doesn't extend, the fifth can extend. But at the same time, why can't you have a scenario where the third and fifth both extend? The answer is uh, it is not ruled out. It is just a guideline uh, that uh, how patterns have tended to form most of the time. Similarly, there's a tendency that fifth waves tend to extend in commodity prices. So that's the guideline for uh, commodity markets because commodity markets extend and expand in fear, whereas, uh, and which is why they go up and, uh, you know, overshoot, uh, which is not exactly how equities uh, move on the way up, which is why in bullish patterns, typically you don't see an extension. But here, what we're dealing with is a decline, which is more fear-based, which is probably why that sell-off in 2008 also saw a fifth wave extension because it was based on fear. So the question is, how far down can the market go? A lot of people want that answer. I could simply point you to the uh, nifty daily report that I write every day or the long shot report, but I'll still give you a number. Uh, the 78.6% retracement mark is at 8,000. Now that's what I mentioned that what happened in 08, it only happened at a lower degree. 
and of course nothing has to repeat exactly in the same way but at a lower degree the last rally the last three months was the fifth wave of that move and 78 percent of that move was retraced when the ending diagonal really broke in jan 2008 so you retrace 78 percent uh, and then you got your b wave and 78 percent of the entire rally from the 2016 low into the ending diagonal which has lasted for two years now this is a much bigger pattern time wise but the retracement is at 8000 so that becomes the initial number we look at there are a couple of other fibonacci projections for this decline itself that point there so it may be an interesting number to watch but 8000 is just the normal number what if we get an extreme panic just like the one we saw a week ago uh, if we again start hitting the lower circuits and that happens then how can you rule out that you will not go back to the 2016 low and retest it which was at 6875 and that's something that uh, uh, i can't really say cannot happen again so you go on with the 8000 number and then see how it goes uh, finally in fifth waves they are the most toughest because they can truncate they can be quality and they can extend and unfortunately you don't know so the only way you can do is have a trailing system so if you haven't learned how to trail stops and how to follow the trend using something as simple as a moving average or a trend line or fairly a combination of the two along with a good smooth momentum indicator all of which we really discuss and explain in our mentorship programs then that's what you ought to do if you already know how to do that yourself you have your own trailing method that's the best way to ride a trend uh, the only thing is this move is so fast that you can't trail it on a daily chart you really have to switch to an hourly chart even though the moves are sizable as much as 5 10 and 15% at a time so while these moves are becoming extended in size uh, we are being forced to trail moves uh, on an hourly basis instead of what normally i would have done is trail on a daily chart basis and which is what we end up doing when volatility is high so Yes this is a new market we are seeing readings like we have never seen before the same readings that we've probably seen in the past panics and we are still seeing it decline from there uh, cash stocks which I was thought you know if you don't get an exit in VV you always get in B well VV itself has become so big that it has you know sent shivers down uh, everyone's spine already so if you uh, at some point didn't panic and move out of those uh, positions even if they are long term investments then you're probably le left holding them because they are still hitting the lower bound so those are the kind of steps uh, that you have to take once you've decided your price points of action uh, and everyone has his own i had mine and i had to do that and i'm still seeing the stocks that were sold off declining uh, which is uh, really unnerving because some of them uh, we would think would be in the value proposition so that's just what a bear market is it doesn't spare any part of the market it takes everything down with it uh, and when it's a deflationary cycle uh, which is also now in a global environment involves a rising dollar then it not only hits equities it ends up hitting every asset class now we saw a small curtain raiser of that in 2008 you now you'll find that funny i'm calling it a curtain raiser when that's the great recession that everybody remembers as a nightmare but what we saw was the rising dollar back then uh, pushed every asset class down including gold even though gold outperformed between 2007 all the way to 2011 while the 2008 bear market itself was in progress we did see gold prices come off quite a bit uh, during that period in fact the same is also true during the tech bubble that's exactly when the dollar was stopping out a slightly different scenario because in 2008 the dollar was in late stages of its decline and about to bottom and go up whereas in 2001 the dollar was in late stages of topping out and going down a 
that point of time too as it was moving up and pricked the tech bubble which is why we'll find a lot of similarities with uh, 2001 to some of that uh, with now is that uh, the dollar index had a pause period uh, after the uh, Southeast Asian crisis which is where it had hit uh, Russia and a lot of the Asian markets uh, between I mean around that time the Southeast Asian market crisis is well known at 97 and then the dollar went into a consolidation phase and you know things moved on till it broke out on the upside and started another major wave and that caused uh, the tech bubble to go bust and uh, gold prices which had rallied in wave one the first move up which was a pretty sharp move uh, ended up retracing almost uh, you know 99% of that move it didn't make a new low so we got a wave to bottom a near double bottom but a significant retracement and wave 2 ended up happening in the precious metals silver in fact ended up making a new low which is it's already done so far because of the weakness in the broad, broad commodity complex but gold simply did a double bottom so we really need to see whether that will be the same scenario now because this is an even bigger dollar breakout it's moving so rapidly that uh, I think it's got everybody caught on the wrong foot but I've been writing in fact covered the emerging market currency index in the long shot report at the beginning of the month on the 3rd of March and I've posted at least two charts after that online on social media for following the on the EM currency market so I've written a very detailed note both on I think today and you'll find those these posts are free so they are part of the free posts if you have not read them you should go and refer to them on India charts join, join the newsletter and the posts uh, one is on the currency which is the dollar and the EM currency index which is the MSI currency index that just broke below a long channel which was a B wave and is now extending lower so it's not completed wave C wave C must complete in five waves and we are still in three of three so it has multiple waves to go in a long way down uh, which is why we are, and what we are seeing when you simply look at many of the currency pairs whether it's the AUD, CAD and these are of course the currencies that are related to the commodities complex so the rising dollar is hitting commodities and commodities are hitting the weaker currencies but the rising dollar is not just in the weak currencies it's now spreading to every other currency pair so initially what you saw is that the dollar index uh, which was heading down gyrated both ways uh, initially upwards uh, in late part of January uh, just as the coronavirus outbreak started and the crisis started to hit uh, but as uh, uh, that happened uh, the dollar got overbought and then sold off very sharply during that period you got the Fed stepping in with its interest rate cuts and various policy measures and so it looked like well that's good news for a weaker dollar and the dollar was already weakening probably in anticipation of those news points and once those news was through the dollar simply turned and started to race off on the way up again and this time now it's resulting in uh, a breakout into a major third wave on the way up taking with itself every other currency pair which is not just the uh, uh, weaker emerging market currencies but also the developed market currencies which were earlier showing strength against the dollar so that's the big change we got we are actually seeing a divergence between the dxy and the em currencies and now all of them are weakening against the dollar so this is a big dollar move it has something to do uh, with uh, a dollar crisis which is the shortage of dollars or currency because of the ongoing crisis itself and also because there have been issues i think with the large amount of credit that's been built up over the years that we probably uh, have over time become ignorant of it's not just the Indian corporate debt but the global or emerging market corporate debt that ended up being almost 10 to 13 trillion dollars of new borrowing post 2008 
uh, which was uh, always considered could become risk which is probably causing these effects which is why uh, it's showing up not just in currencies but moment currencies start falling the first effect is it affects bond markets because various global investors especially those uh, with all the liquidity which is in US dollars uh, wherever they've invested in whichever markets they've gone into the bond markets and equity markets when they see those currencies falling they want to go into a risk off mode which is they'll start withdrawing from those bond and uh, equity markets and the bond prices start to fall pushing up yields which is what we are now seeing in various sects of the market so the bond so i've written a winter update today uh, just in the evening uh, and if you see it i've covered a couple of the bond market yield charts specifically the indian one because that's what concerns most of you uh, who are in india and listening to this uh, podcast uh, the indian bond yields which i forecast several years ago would eventually spike on the way up and i think i had sort of given up because it didn't happen for such a long time which is what i think i ended up doing in the last quarter which is between september and january uh, is that i took a back foot i was really expecting yields to go down and they did uh, but the sell off so far in the bond yields has been corrective which is what i've explained and if that's true if they don't really continue to fall below the 6% mark and in fact if they go above 6.5% uh, without going down then it would indicate that this corrective fall was probably still part of the broad triangular formation which has been going on for several years uh, almost uh, more than a decade two decades maybe uh, since yields actually bottomed in uh, uh, you know 2002 uh, but of course that would be the end of a and then since then we've been forming this triangle uh, and this triangle is part of an abc larger pullback and we see of that move up will probably start now in which case Uh, the gsec yields the 10 year could actually head all the way back up to a new high 9% 10% uh, if i draw a channel it goes all the way to maybe 10.5% or so so pretty crazy numbers uh, and i had mentioned them many years ago uh, and eventually yield spike only to 8.25% and started to fall again but once again we have a setup i'm not saying this is final uh, wait for a confirmation in the next few days it looks like if the way most bond markets are going and if the usdnr breaks through the 74.36 mark uh, or 74 half mark which uh, is where it made its previous high uh, which is simply if it follows what the rest of the world is doing where uh, everything's weakening on the dollar and the bond markets have already started to show rising yields whether it's spain germany uh, turkey Uh, Russia everywhere we are seeing these big jumps in bond yields uh, the indian market has just been saved by what the rbi did a couple of days ago two rounds of lti ltro since its uh, january meet uh, the second one was just announced and it's within a week done two rounds of even selling now uh, with through swaps into the dollar market so trying to keep the volatility in the currency market low which is why it looks like that our bond market and currency markets are not reacting in the same way to what is happening around the world but i wonder how long we can really do that and so you really need to listen to the words of the governor he said uh, we will act when it has a has an impact essentially it sounded like he'd given up because he doesn't expect any impact from cutting rates or taking any monetary action at this point of time uh, which is simply akin to saying that we've lost control of the market in a way uh, but of course they're taking other actions so we cannot say they have not done anything because uh, we only look at rates but the ltros are a large amount of 
uh, funding that they are doing to keep the bond market volatility down. But my point is that the global scenario, and this is a really big look at the last two days of uh, moves in the dollar index, and you get an idea of the size of dollar demand that is really driving it. And if you have that happening, if you don't really see your currency weaken, your real effective exchange rate would actually get uh, you know put you uh, way way at a discount to the average, which means you would be uh, excessively strong relative to the rest of the world. And some point of time, there's going to be a mean reversion. So you can push the string down as long as you want, but at some point of time, it's going to give up. So that's what I think is likely over the next couple of days and might be the main reason why markets, despite looking oversold, are going to continue to reel under pressure simply because of the dollar. That's the central uh, place of action. Probably now, if you think back and you look, you'll understand why the US Fed was intervening in the repo market so aggressively all the way from October and for a while it looked like it was working because US equities continued to head higher. But given all the headwinds from trade wars and so on and the Hong Kong riots, we really didn't see many of the Asian markets pick up. Even though Indian markets uh, unconnected to all of those did pick up and make a new high along with the US markets as we often follow the US more than the rest of Asia. But eventually have given up and everything's now moving in tandem. Uh, so why not even our currency and bond market? So I think that those are the two places to watch. Watch our bond yields and watch our currency. And if they join what is happening around the world, uh, then equity markets continue to remain under pressure irrespective of any oversold reading. And in that sense, uh, these readings are already off the charts and are going to where we have not seen them ever before since maybe more than half a century. And that's a time period where we really don't even have data and so you really can't know what it looked like uh, way back then but you do have data for some indices like the us dow jones industrial index which is why i covered that index and its movement through the 1929 to 19 uh, at least the initial six months when it made its first wave and it was extremely extended i showed you i showed a chart of that and the percentage moves that the dow made between waves one two and three and it was pretty pretty significant because wave one itself was 20 percent and wave three was almost 60 percent and so uh, when we are looking at the current wave of selling in the US and it continues to extend every day, it's hard for us to imagine that something like that can repeat. Uh, but given that it's the at the the last uh, you know sell off, which was in 1929, was at the end of another super cycle. Uh, this has its similarities. Now, of course, there are many super cycle tops in history. None of them were like 1929, so you really don't expect a repeat. But the fact is uh, that particular one was uh, extremely sharp because of the excessive leverage it had achieved at that point of time mostly at that and most stories talk about it being most in the uh, you know retail sector uh, especially as retail investors also propped up and held up a lot of stock at low margins uh, something which may not exist in the same format today as you have a lot more risk measures but at the same time leverage in many other forms uh, has already been noted by many authors to be at an excess uh, and uh, the Slowing of the economy and the recent uh, coronavirus impact has, uh, you know, popped many of those bubbles that were continuing to develop over time. So that's the broad uh, base of things happening. 
uh, we are seeing outright deflation because of the rising dollar which you can see in commodity prices now the last commodity to drop was copper copper had still not broken its range i think till last week and i just wrote about it on monday that uh, it's probably likely to join the rest of the commodity pack and we've seen that happen in the last three days with sharp sell-offs in uh, copper prices so that was the last one with that now you have all commodity prices selling off to new lows except of course gold gold is weak but it's still not at new lows like silver uh, and i really want to see whether it can deviate from that and actually make a higher bottom from where it started in uh, 2019 or rather december 2018 that low if it manages to protect it will be a, a scenario very similar to 2001 and would have done something different but i cannot be completely sure of that but definitely i feel that should be likely the case and uh, uh, if that goes then then it would be signaling a much much more powerful deflationary force so a couple of people have put out charts online saying that will be the case which is mainly based on what elliot view international has spent many years saying that you know gold would go back to 700 and so on uh, but since i saw an ending diagonal in 2015 i've been bullish on that case i've marked this recent high as wave one remains true as long as it doesn't go below the december 2018 low uh, silver having fallen below that so far would simply be uh, uh, what do you call similarity with what happened in uh, 2001 uh, and I'll watch out for uh, whether the same continues to hold true in the meantime the rising dollar is now hitting the bond market after having hit the commodities and equities markets which means almost every asset class has now been pulled into what is going to be a very very strong dollar rally and it is far from over so that's i think uh, the overall takeaway we are in a bear market we are hoping somewhere the fifth wave of wave a will end and you will get some kind of a counter trend move uh, the exact level uh, is open uh, so till we complete it's not done uh, and we're going to wait and watch uh, where it happens in the meantime uh, for most people trading in these volatile markets is going to be very very difficult i know people who especially had the fancy of option writing for many many years if you were too open on this book uh, during the last uh, few months uh, then you'd really have had to write off a lot uh, many many years of gains and i've seen such books on such strategies various arbitrage and you know awkward arbitrage strategies i would say not pure arbitrage ones often go into serious trouble uh, as and when uh, you know you've had uh, volatility increase and this volatility increase has been completely off the charts nothing like anybody's ever seen before so uh, apart from that people who are on investment books uh, there are many different ways that you can hedge if it's not directly through index futures which is usually difficult on most people's minds uh, people also find it difficult to have a multi-asset class approach which means they would not have gold in their portfolio which is also a currency hedge indirectly for example you note that gold in rupee terms has hit an all-time high recently even though it did not happen in dollar terms so you get the dual benefit when you look at gold in your own personal currency uh, and uh, there's actually an advantage in having it that way so some people have asked me recently that they would want a position in gold in dollar terms but actually would want to be in INR terms because it protects you against the falling INR as well and in that sense you don't see that big a decline in gold prices in rupee terms even when it falls in dollar terms which is exactly what happened in the early 90s as well when 
uh, gold and dollar terms was actually in decline. So you need to keep that in mind, uh, and which is why it's a, a good hedge on an Indian portfolio. But most people do not allocate to it, even though I've written about it for several years. The other one is, of course, having currency as a hedge. So if you really can't uh, hedge your uh, investment portfolio because long-term investors often are unable to switch their mind on and off and really get out, and of course they've been trained to uh, hold on, uh, you know, buy, hold, buy, and sit tight. Uh, theories are told to them because the people who say those theories of course great investors but they do not have any means of knowing that you're going to hit an economic winter uh, that thesis does not come in their books and which is why uh, this kind of decline which hits not just uh, good stocks uh, apart from the bad ones which had already crashed in the last two years now it's starting to hit all the good names uh, just does not exist on uh, in their books so one way to do it, therefore, if you are tuned that way, you don't really want to exit your portfolio is look at the currency as a hedge. You should at least build a currency hedge in your portfolio and that could significantly, even if you, even if it's not leveraged, if, even if it's an equal amount of currency equal to the size of your portfolio, it would give you a fairly good hedge against major market declines uh, as and when that happens. So you can reduce a 50% down move into a 30% down move by being long the currency as and when it devalues. Uh, because even if you go to 2008, the USD and our bottom at 38 uh, in Jan of 2008 and went all the way to I think almost 48 uh, or 47, 48 if I'm not wrong uh, may have touched 49 during that period which is almost a 20-25% move uh, that would be a fair hedge and if you did a 2x on that would be a significant hedge against the market decline so these are things that you should think about if you haven't uh, you know understood or learned to use these markets then ideally educate yourself on having a multi-asset class approach not usual for most people but fortunately these assets have become available and accessible on the trading exchanges uh, over the last two decades uh, and uh, still i find most people have not educated themselves about it so that's all uh, i'll say on this podcast and thank you nothing in this podcast is investment advice views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work please consult a registered financial advisor for the same And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.